My name is Curtis, and I'll be your host, and with me is my co-host and resident office expert, Antoinette. Hi, everyone. Owen might be joining us later, but he is currently sleeping, and we are hoping it stays that way through the duration of this recording. Today, we will be discussing Season 6, Episode 11, Shareholder Meeting. In this episode, the office celebrates Earth Day, Michael makes a trip to New York, and Ryan gets a new office. In this episode's cold open, we meet Recyclops, who is Dwight's fictional enforcer, if you will, of Earth Day. I have so many problems with this cold open that we can talk about as we unfold here. Mm-hmm. First off, this episode aired in November. Earth Day is in April, so it doesn't even make any sense. The only reason that they have this cold open is it's this ham-fisted fitting into NBC's Green Week at the time. Interesting. And so Jim is narrating the life cycle of Recyclops. And apparently it started with a corporate initiative in roughly 2006, I guess. And so Dwight created this character in order to encourage people to recycle but with a lot of things associated with Dwight it's sort of morphed over time into this sci-fi villainous character. And so what started off as a superhero type character if you will that helped the office recycle things has now morphed into like you said, a more villainous character who really just comes in and ransacks the office. Like, Dwight just knocks stuff off of shelves and desks and things like that and ruins the, quote, planet rather than help cleaning it up. Right. At some point, Recyclops has renounced Earth Day. So the original intention here has greatly been lost as sort of a corporate recycling initiative And there's sort of these flashbacks to show the evolution of the character and just the years going by. And this is my other problem with this cold open. Because in the sequence of events, we go back to probably what would have been season two and Jim and Pam, they are dressed as they would have been, like their hairstyles are as they would have been in season two. And that's when the character starts. So I don't have any problem with that initial one. Then... It flashes to Ryan. Ryan would not have been the receptionist after Pam because the next person it flashes to was Ronnie, if you'll recall from season five. But that makes zero sense because Ronnie was there in the summer when Pam was at art school in New York. Correct. So that would have been a summer thing. Again, this is Earth Day in in April. Ryan was brought in after Ronnie, after Michael fired Ronnie. So to have Ryan as one year, then Ronnie as another year doesn't work at all. I thought Ryan did a short stint there before Ronnie because there's the scene where 
Jim keeps looking over at the receptionist desk and Ryan's there and Ryan's just like, dude, what are you doing? And so there's, I can't remember for what reason, but there is. I thought that was after Ronnie. I don't think so. No. Okay. Because maybe I'm wrong in that. Because Ryan would have been at maybe that was at corporate right thing. around the same time. I don't remember why. Ryan would have been in corporate in season four, so maybe this would have been like a season three type thing that we're not recalling. Anyway, I don't know if that would have lined up correctly with Earth Day. So the last scene we get is of Aaron there until present day, which maybe that works, but she hasn't been there a full year. If in the timeline of the show so i i get that they probably the writers were probably needing to do something to appease nbc's earth week or green week i understand that but to just be as lazy as they were in that is really annoying i don't know i thought it was fun to be like oh they're like showing the evolution of time sure with throwback characters i guess they had to do in some capacity but to do it just blatantly incorrectly is that's what i think is annoying as a fan of the show gotcha you can still have the evolution of recyclops and it really has evolved and in some ways this also goes to the like pick a lane for dwight sort of thing because he is a farmer but he's also very like probably a libertarian i would say sure so I don't know how much he would care about the environment, but it it truly did start out as this sort of like what you would imagine at like a state fair character and then took on a very like Battlestar Galactica type backstory. Yeah, that that is something that I was I initially questioned is like, I don't think Dwight would be that into recycling. Yeah, I I don't think so. I think that he grows his beets he has his beet farm there's a lot of farmers that aren't into the into the environment because they you know they just want to have their farm they're not worried about anything beyond that and i kind of see that maybe applying to dwight maybe he was more into the cosplay portion of it where he just gets to dress up as a superhero type character i think that aligns more with what we know about dwight As we open the main part of this episode, we see Michael rehearsing greetings for some reason. And he is doing a variety of ones. Some of them are more subdued, like just a simple stand and nod and wave. And others have a little more pizzazz, like a spin and some finger guns. And he is doing this because he has been invited to the Dunder Mifflin shareholders meeting in New York. Yes, we are picking up where we left off last episode as far as the fate of the company. So if you recall from Murder, it was unclear if Dunder Mifflin was going to have enough money to exist through the end of the year. So there's this shareholder meeting in New York to sort of explain the situation. And Michael is being brought in, as we'll see later in the episode, it's called as a bright spot in the company to sort of just soften the blow of maybe like overall mismanagement from the board. And Michael 
this is one of the episodes where we kind of see naive, dumb Michael, I would say. Absolutely. And it's sort of amazing because clearly Michael has a very small window niche of what he knows about business. And, and we know that to be true. Think back to business school when he really was out of his element lecturing to Ryan's class. Think back to Michael Scott Paper Company when he sort of allowed Ryan to take on the financials and how they would do their pricing model and, and didn't question that. Michael's niche is clearly sales and just selling and talking to people. He doesn't have the big picture ability to see, which is funny because he handles the big picture for the Scranton branch. But he doesn't get that this is not going to be kind of a fun shareholder meeting. There are some serious things to talk about, and there's going to be some angry shareholders that want answers from the board. And before he leaves, he's getting some talking points from Oscar that Oscar is kind of pointing out that the company has spread themselves a little too thin and that they're, they have long-term problems and short-term problems. And Michael, in this scene, is kind of a perfect illustration of what you just said because Oscar has laid these things out in pretty understandable terms. They're very easy, cut and dry. And Michael is just like, okay, I don't need, I don't need the full thing. I just need some bullet points. And Oscar's like, yeah, that, that's the bullet points. And Michael's like, okay, simplify that even more for me. And Oscar's kind of at a loss because, well, it doesn't really get much simpler than the way he laid it out. It's a callback to the bankruptcy episode in season four when Michael was like, explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old. It is one of my favorite lines of the whole <laughs> thing. Okay, now explain it to me like I'm three. <laughs> and Oscar says that Dunder Mifflin, the short-term problem is they don't have any cash flow. And the long-term problem, as Curtis said, is that they've just expended too much. Too, what was it? Like too many... I think they have too many corporate assets so okay. too many buildings too many gotcha. things like that and so the time has come for michael to leave the scranton office and he is expecting a town car to be sent for him to drive him to new york however corporate somehow has sprung for a limo to go from scranton to new york and this excites everybody in the office most specifically michael it's sort of weird that grown adults are this fascinated by a limo. I mean, it's not every day that you would ride in a limousine by any means. But everyone is just over the moon about it and races down the stairs in excitement. It's sort of like Christmas morning for a lot of people. And then Michael decides that he's going to invite some people along. And he offers it up, well... Dwight and Andy want to go right away, but you know Michael, he only wants to be a part of the cool kids, so he offers it up to Jim and Pam and Ryan and a guest. Jim and Pam flatly decline, and Ryan says he'll just use it when Michael's done. So it ends up that Dwight, Andy, and Oscar go along. And Oscar is going along because he's one of the stockholders for Dunder Mifflin, and he says that 
The stock symbol for Dunder Mifflin is DMI, which Oscar stands for dummies, morons, and idiots, because you'd have to be one of those to hold stock in the company. And he says, as one of those idiots, he has questions for the board. When they get to New York, Michael goes to the hospitality area where the rest of the board members are, while Dwight, Oscar, and Andy go get settled in the conference room area. And those three want to do their best to help Michael look good. And so Dwight is trying to get position in line to give Michael kind of a softball question to answer so that he can, you know, warm up, if you will, and then be able to perform a little bit better later on in the meeting. Oscar, however, is talking a little bit bigger of a game and wants to really let the board members know what he thinks about what's going on. And Andy is kind of trying to build him up for this, but Oscar is a little too worried about his job to do to go, you know, full nuclear on these board members. Oscar was also rightfully pointed out, for example, when the limo pulled up outside of the office building in Scranton, how sort of wasteful that is for a company that's near insolvency. And also just the large hotel suite and room associated with this meeting, which maybe could have just been held at corporate headquarters. I don't know if they would have had a room big enough for that. But there's definitely these unnecessary expenses that seem to be taken on by the board, maybe just to keep up appearances. And so we check in on Michael before they head out to the stockholder meeting. And he is super excited to be rubbing elbows with all these VIPs. When he first goes in, David Wallace greets him and then introduces him to the CEO and one of the other board members who is a former congressman. This is the first time we're ever seeing the CEO of Dunder Mifflin. Yeah. And so Michael, this entire episode has been giddy because he is getting this recognition from the the bigwigs. And he is looking at this as his time to shine for a crowd of people. And so when the board members and Michael go out to the conference area and are greeted with booze, Michael is a little taken aback. Yeah, he really does not understand what this moment is about and what's happening. He just it is completely escaping him the seriousness of that Wall Street Journal story, what could happen with the company, which is sort of not in line with last episode, if you think about it. He understood the worry and the seriousness of it, and now he's just blinded by the fact that, like Curtis said, he's getting this recognition from bigwigs, and he's getting, you know, sent a car to take him to New York to this meeting, and he's not... It's just crazy how this is not matching up. Yeah, that's a good point. And so this is an immediate shot to Michael's pride, and it gets even worse when... The CEO is kind of trying to fight the booze from people. And I should mention that Michael did not help things because as 
the CEO is making his presentation. He is, like I said, fighting these boos. And so Michael is talking to David Wallace, who is sitting right next to him. And they, everybody at the table has a mic in front of them. And so both Michael and David Wallace are covering their mics. And Michael's like, yeah, this is really bad. And David's like, well, yeah, of course it is. We're going bankrupt. And Michael exclaims, and again, this is another part to what you just said. Michael exclaims without covering his mic, we're going bankrupt. And it's like that is this surprise announcement to everybody who was at the shareholders meeting when we know that's probably the reasoning behind this shareholders meeting. Exactly. And that was the illusion in the Wall Street Journal article. Journal article. That was the conclusion that Oscar drew last episode from the emails that were sent to accounting. So again, not all the stockholders are going to be employees. So there's that element to where they're get, this is where they're getting their information. However, that the fact that Michael was like, what? Again, doesn't really line up with, with the murder episode. And so as I was saying, Michael's pride gets hurt a little bit when the CEO is trying to fight these boos and says, hey, we've got, we're, we're, we're doing our best here. We're trying to work on cost-saving things. And with us today is the regional manager of the most profitable branch in the company, Michael Scott. And Michael does stand up and does kind of a little timid wave and probably stands for a little too long. Yeah. And he is met with just kind of a, a spattering of applause, mostly from Dwight, Andy, and Oscar. Right. And right after this, the CEO says, today we're going to talk about our pulp processing plant or something like that in Milford. And that gets more cheers than Michael does. And so right after this, you can kind of see Michael's face just like, because we know what Michael loves. Right. And that is recognition, adulation, and just being loved. Exactly. And this comes back to bite him and everyone else. Because as it's getting really, really bad, the CEO says, we're going to take a 15-minute break and we'll be back. And so as... And the crowd is not liking the direction this meeting is going at all. Right. And so as the people on the dais are filing out, Michael grabs one of the table microphones and just says, hey, these are really good people. You need to be nice to them because they are nice to me. They sent me a limo to drive me here from Scranton and... They set me up in this nice corporate suite where we had all kinds of free food, blah, 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 blah. And he is digging a hole that he doesn't know he's digging because this is coming from a company that is supposedly in financial troubles. And they are having all these lavish expenses for just this meeting. And so people are getting even more worked up And the CEO and David Wallace are standing right there and like contemplating just essentially grabbing Michael and pulling him off to the side. But they don't want to make a scene, so they're just kind of hanging out there. And Michael 
says, you know what? You guys are right. We hear you. We're going to come up with some answers. And that gets some cheers, which is the worst thing that could have happened. Exactly. It sort of feeds Michael. He's not good at improv, but he likes adulation from the crowd. And so he just wants that, and he just talks without speaking. So he says that they're going to come up with a plan. He said, we're coming back with a plan. And that gets more cheers. And he's like, okay, all right, what sounds good? A 45-day plan. He says there's going to be a point for every day. We're going to save the company. We're going to be back with this plan. And the crowd, he's really whipping this crowd up into a frenzy almost at this point. So then he's basking in this glow. He does a, a spin and a twirl and he does the finger guns. Everything he practiced in the office, he feels comfortable to do now. He's just loving the moment. And he's feeling good about it. He's feeling energized. They get back up to the suite and everyone is pissed, obviously, because they don't have a plan. The whole goal of the shareholder meeting was sort of to smooth around the edges the fact that everyone's going to lose their money that has money invested in the company, basically. It's very reminiscent of there was an episode earlier where Michael just announces to the office unmasked that everybody's getting raises even though nobody was getting raises and he's just like that's just what the people wanted to hear so i'm gonna say it and make them feel good but most importantly it makes them like me even if i can't back this up at all even if it's untrue exactly and so like you said they get back into the suite and everybody is furious with michael because there is he's promising things that that aren't there and This comes as a shock to Michael because Michael truly did think that this was a meeting to help save the company. And so he is kind of taken aback by the fact that none of these people have anything to move in that direction. So he says, I've got a secret weapon, crack accountant, Oscar Martinez, He knows everything that's wrong with the company. He's got a plan to save it. Let me bring him in here. And if we recall back to Oscar's talking points earlier in the episode, he was identifying problems, but he wasn't bringing up solutions. Exactly. Because I think he knew it is beyond that point. There There are no solutions at this point bankruptcy pretty much is the only solution yeah bankruptcy buyout someone has to take on the company basically or they need a huge cash infusion those are really the only options and so michael calls oscar into the suite and when oscar gets there he doesn't really have anything to say for two reasons one the one we just laid out because like we said he knows there is no answer here but also Oscar has been building up this, he has everything that he wants to say to these people, but he doesn't want to lose his job at the same time. And so Oscar doesn't really let go of everything that he wants to say and just kind of mumbles and just says, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for meeting with me and just walks out. Yeah. says you guys are brilliant. You can figure this out. (laughs) And, Michael goes 
out in the hallway and says, what would you do, man? Like, you embarrassed me. And Oscar's like, uh, you embarrassed me. No. And what ends up happening is that Michael has to basically run away. He has to run out of the suite knowing that he has put the board in a bad position once he realizes that sort of the jig is up. Well, he gets called out. The The congressman... That's right. F- ...says what somebody should have said a long, long time yeah, ago. Yeah, what David should have said to Michael literally every time he spoke to him. And it's just that, hey, who is this guy? He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's an idiot. Get him out of here. And Michael snaps back at him and says, no, you're the idiot. Right. And that's when we see... We get a shot of Michael running out of the suite, grabbing Andy, Oscar, and Dwight, hopping back in the limo because we, right after this, we flash back to a scene in the suite where the congressman says, he's done. He can take a taxi home. He's had his limo ride. So, right. So Michael is trying to beat word down to the limo that he actually doesn't get to ride back in this thing. As they're driving away, the stock symbol for Dunder Mifflin comes up and it shows that it's continuing to drop. So we're still sort of left with what is the fate of Dunder Mifflin as a company. So we're still left with trying to figure out what is the fate of Dunder Mifflin as a company. Are they going to go bankrupt? Will people have a job? You know, What will happen with the company? Back at the office, we see something that we see pretty often in this series, and it is what goes on when Michael is not in office. But this time it's a little bit different because now we have Jim as co-manager. And we have seen Jim before when Michael is not in the office kind of organize things to make things go a little bit smoother. There was the Night Out episode where Michael goes to New York to hang out with Brian and everybody is slated to work that weekend. And Jim gathers everybody like, hey, let's just work a little bit later tonight. We can knock everything out. We won't have to come in tomorrow. And everybody is on board with that. But now that Jim is co-manager, it seems that he has kind of maybe lost that organizing power because... People aren't really taking him seriously. Yeah, it's a little surprising that people feel this way. I think people have always respected Jim, but I think what it comes down to is that they don't feel that he has hiring, firing power, basically. So that then gives them what they feel like is they're kind of the right to do anything when Michael's out of the office. This first kind of shows up when... Jim asks Ryan to move all of the branches' contacts to Outlook so they can have them in one place, easy access. And Ryan tries his best to get out of this, saying, you know, if the company's going to close, do I really even need to do this? And why don't you show me how you do it first, and then I can work on it? Just stuff that Ryan does. Yeah, anything to get out of work, basically. Yes, and then, so this is really where we first see 
people not really taking Jim's orders seriously. Then after lunch, Jim realizes Phyllis has been gone quite a while. She's been gone for two hours and he says, hey, you should have let me know you're going to take a two hour lunch. And she just says, well, Bob and I had a long lunch and we got a little tipsy. You know, Michael doesn't mind. He's not even here. And Jim says, well, I'm here. I'm a co-manager. I'm just as much of a boss as Michael is. And Stanley sort of laughs at that. And that tips off Jim that no one thinks that. They don't respect him as a boss. And he kind of poses it to everyone. Like, who here thinks I'm not a boss? Where'd you hear this from? Turns out Ryan's been sending out an email to the effect that Jim doesn't have any power to do anything to enforce anything which again goes back to just the confusing setup of the co-manager position and how that clearly was not very well explained to everyone in this branch so later jim is in the kitchen area with pam looking to the annex looking to ryan's desk and sort of brainstorming what he can do to get ryan to do some work Pam isn't very supportive here. She's not really into this discussion. Jim does suggest yelling at him, to which Pam replies like, do you really yell? Jim's not really a yeller. Although he did yell at Michael in the last episode. Get, he just got frustrated with him, but he's not going to just go up to Ryan and yell, and that's not really going to do anything. And Pam does ask, like, can you fire someone? And Jim says he really doesn't know, which sort of also tells me that it's not been made clear to him what his ability is as a co-manager. And so Jim knows he has to make an example of Ryan somehow. And what he figures out is kind of clever. So he goes back to the annex and is checking in on Ryan and the progress of moving the contacts to Outlook. And obviously, Ryan has not started that. He's playing Tetris. And he's playing Tetris, yes. And he has a million excuses as to why he can't do it. Right. And so Jim goes, you know what? I think the problem is is that you're distracted. And Ryan agrees with him. He's like, yeah, you, you know what? Yep, you're right. And... I don't know why Ryan would agree with him. It, it just seems like he's just walking right into this trap that Jim has laid. And so Jim goes, you know what? We're going to do our best to fix that. He's like, come with me. And he, they go into the kitchen area and he opens the door to the greater office and says, can I have everybody's attention, please? And he then says to Ryan, just like, you know what? I've, I've realized that you are distracted. And what we're going to do is we're going to move you to a brand new desk. And Jim opens the door in the kitchen area to an area that we have not seen before. We, we've seen the door. We've seen the door, but we it's the door right next to the bathroom door. And so we, we, we've never really known what it is. And it turns out it's just like the server closet, essentially. And Jim has set up a desk and a workstation in there and says, Ryan, here it is. Here's your new desk. Enjoy. And puts him in there, shuts the door, and then just kind of looks out 
at the office area and everybody kind of looking in and you can definitely see on people's faces that yeah Jim means business sometimes yeah and that he has the power to to punish in some respects because Ryan can't goof her off with Kelly he can't bother people essentially he can't put off his work which we don't even know what ryan does at dunder mifflin anymore we haven't even known what he's done since he came back to from the michael scott paper company and there was only room for one salesperson ryan's a temp somehow but there's just nothing that we know that he contributes and he doesn't he's just a really annoying douchey type of guy that causes problems and is just there is just there to be annoying quite frankly I, I find his character very annoying at this point and that pretty much wraps up the episode so let's go to the annex with Antoinette and find any fun facts about the episode so the New York scenes were actually filmed in California so they had to do their best to make sure that they found buildings and areas to sort of look like New York or Manhattan would look. I feel like they did a decent job. Sure. Um, apparently there was a California state flag on one of the buildings that made it into the show. And then, like I pointed out, just the inconsistencies in the cold open. And the only other thing I have is that the congressman who's on the board of directors was actually one of the astronauts from Apollo 13. I'm not sure the actor's name, but he seems pretty recognizable. He was not an astronaut. Oh, he was one of he's the one NASA of the guys. NASA guys, yeah. yeah. Like in the in the control room. Yeah, he's a character actor. I can't think of anything else that he is in off of the top of my head. Curtis, do we have any firings this episode? We do have a couple. We lose Dwight because of his actions as Recyclops. It is his third firing this season. It is his 25th overall. We lose Phyllis for coming back to work after a two-hour lunch drunk. It is her first firing this season. It's her second overall. And we lose Michael, and I feel like we have lost Michael several times before for roughly this. We've lost him 53 times overall. (laughs) But this has to be... In, in real life, this has to be the nail in the coffin for him. Oh, yeah. He has shown his idiocy and lack of knowledge to somebody above David Wallace at this point. The guy that was basically covering for him throughout this whole th- this time. And he absolutely gets fired after this, no doubt. Exactly. He's just dug this huge hole at the board meeting. All you're supposed to do, as the congressman points out, and as the CEO points out, all you're supposed to do is just wave. There's supposed to be no speaking, nothing else, and he has just made everything ten times worse, as Michael sometimes tends to do. Right. So it is his fifth firing this season. As I said, it's his 53rd overall. Also, just another note, I feel like David Wallace gets fired after this, too, because, as I said, he's the guy that's been vouching for Michael this entire time. Yeah, that's a good point. And so I believe that's his second firing overall. We've lost him before. 
Antoinette, what is your Dundee for this episode? My Dundee Award is the That Doesn't Match Up Award, and it goes to Andy for being one of the individuals that's just so starry-eyed about the limousine. And as Aaron says about the limousine, like, oh my God, that's what the that's what the kids take to prom on the TV. Andy was definitely one of the kids that took a limousine to prom. <laughs> he has talked about in previous episodes about how he would skip his golf lessons to hang out with the sailing team. And he went to Cornell and, and he's a legacy at Cornell. He definitely has been in the limo before. So the fact that he's just, over the moon about it just doesn't make sense what's your dundee award ironically enough it's i can relate (laughs) and it goes to the seed with the limo because there is something about seed a limo where you're just like oh man that's so cool limos are cool i've done it before i've only been in a limo once and it was for my sister's wedding and it wasn't a it wasn't like a big limo like that or like you know stretch limo or whatever um, I imagine it would be very difficult to drive. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. I think I've been in a limo twice. Once was uh, in elementary school. If you were the student of the month, you got a limo ride to, like, parties for lunch <laughs> one day hilarious. with the principal. And then there was another time where it was a, it was a weird situation where um, – one of my friends had a sister and this sister was being courted by a guy and so i think he was trying to impress her so he rented a limo and like was gonna drive was gonna take her to a restaurant or something like i can't remember like it ended up we got a limo and we went across town to applebee's and got carry out food and then drove around in it like for an hour it was not that impressive now that I think about it. <laughs> right? Right? Isn't that silly? Now people just get party buses. I feel like party buses have replaced limos. Yeah. Who is your employee of the month? I chose Jim for finally putting Ryan in his place and making an example out of him. Who is your employee of the month? I also have Jim for just basically establishing the fact that He is, in fact, a co-manager and that people do have to listen to him. So that does it for this week's episode. Please be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownsizingPod to get all the latest updates. And continue listening to us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening to us. Be sure to rate, subscribe, like, and comment wherever you can in order to keep getting our name out there. We appreciate you guys listening, and we will see you next time. Bye.